Would you join me as we look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 6? Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Thank you so much, Katie. Probably many people in the room have been, I would imagine most people have been to some sort of orientation in their life. Maybe it's a new job and you had a new worker orientation to try to get used to systems as they are, or, or maybe you went to orientation at, at a school and trying to implement, like, what, what is campus life going to look like for you? There's all sorts of orientation, and I remember even one time being on a safari in Africa, and before we went out, there was orientation of here's some things to do, here's some things not to do, here's some things you can expect, and... Really, I thought about that because before we dig too deeply into Matthew 5 to 7, uh, particularly the verses we're going to look at this morning, I wanted to do somewhat of an orientation to uh, certainly the Sermon on the Mount and this portion of it. And if I kind of wrap that orientation up into a few words, I probably would give these uh, three words or three phrases. So one of those one of those words would be remember. So even before we dig into the passage, I, I do want us to remember something, and that is who's speaking. I think this is critical because otherwise we could just turn down the volume and go, I don't, I'm not sure that has much uh, application to me, but wait a minute, this is Jesus who is speaking, pronouncing the blessings that Katie just read. So when we hear Jesus speaking, let's listen to his authority and say, we want to hear, we want to understand, and it's Jesus speaking. We want to do what he says. Also, I, I would say we, we want to look out. I personally have just recognized my tendency, and I want to be on the lookout for my tendency to turn what is clearly said a blessing. So we read, we heard four of those blessings today. It's easy to turn those blessings into a command. So let's look out for that tendency to make these blessings a command. I mean, I think sometimes we, are, we have such a hard time dealing with the amazing grace of God. We want to flip it and go, well, God must be telling us to do something. And, and listen, Jesus gives commands in Matthew 5. They're just later on. What he leads with, what he leads with is blessings. He gives grace. He gives help. Before he gives commands. Before he tells us what our duty is. This is the way God always works. Grace before law. So God gives this grace, and these are blessings. So I want to make sure that we process that, and we're on the lookout. Make sure let's not flip them around. To, oh, we we're told something to do. A heavy burden's been laid on us. And the the other word is expand. I do want us to expand. I want us to expand from looking at just the perspective of what we naturally see and feel and taste and touch into things that go far beyond that. It's hard for us to do that. But, but intuitively, we know that life is more than just about all, all the things that we see with our eyes. So the fact is, you could have this amazing vacation plan with all the amenities in this resort, and it'd still be a terrible vacation because there's relational strife. Nobody's getting along. You could have a bank account with more zeros than any of us can imagine. 
and your life could still be a shipwreck because of decisions. You could, you could have a, a diploma on your wall from the most prestigious university. You could have multiple diplomas recognizing your accomplishments and still your life be a, a constant struggle. So we can't just look at like what we see, especially when we get to this area of blessings, because sometimes our eyes are going to play tricks on us. I, I think we need to expand our capacity to think in terms of eternity. The one who's pronouncing these blessings, he thought in terms of eternity. So Jesus lived in eternity past and to eternity future, and he's the one that's speaking to us. So for us, the process, what blessings even mean, we're going to have to make sure we have a, have a whole eternity in scope. I think we're going to have to expand our category for getting a taste of something now that ultimately we'll get much more of later, much like a, a Costco sample, right? You get a taste now, and you get the 30 pounds of meatballs later, right? <laughs> now, I, I think over and over again in Scripture, we're told we get a taste of something. And we really do enjoy it now. But then there's so many things not yet, so many things we look forward to that aren't here yet that we'll fully enjoy when we see Jesus face to face. So with all that in mind, kind of with that orientation, let us go to these blessings that Jesus pronounces because I think they're amazing. And I think they actually have a way of turning things upside down because the first blessing Jesus pronounces is blessings on the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I think this leads the way for the whole Sermon on the Mount. I think if we process what Jesus is saying here, I think we're going to understand much of what he is teaching in this sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So think with me. Jesus is talking to real people. And imagine you're in that crowd that day, or if it helps, you know, fast forward to 2018, imagine Jesus speaking, and then there's, you know, a crowd around you, and when he says poor in spirit, you can't help but think about the person right next to you that has found out they've lost their job. They have no means of providing for their family. When Jesus pronounces this blessing on those that are poor in spirit, you know right here is someone that is extremely lonely. Here's someone else that has experienced a, a deep loss, even loss of their hope. Maybe around you is someone that has gotten to the point in life where they have to beg and ask people for money, some sort of help to just make, make things work, make it survive. And Jesus is pronouncing these blessings. You think of that person that you, you, you sat across a, a meal with them and you, you heard them describe their life and it almost takes your breath, breath away because how many difficult things they're dealing with. And you think, I, I can't imagine dealing with one of those, much less five of those. And you hear Jesus pronounce a blessing on those who are poor in spirit. Those who are poor in spirit, I, I think it means those that are helpless without God's help, kind of whether they recognize it or not. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the people whom the world marginalizes, emotionally, physically, maybe even spiritually. We, we just don't think this way. That's why Jesus is just turning things upside down because we tend to think the poor in spirit aren't blessed. They're not living the good life. They're not flourishing. 
They're not enjoying blessings. Actually, the poor in spirit are the ones that are missing out. Missing out are the poor in spirit because they're so low, because life just seems to have run over them repeatedly and they they feel like they cannot survive. Missing out are the people that life is such a hard struggle for them. Missing out are the people that life seems to have just trounced on them and, and just is relentless in its pressure. Missing out are those. They'll never get the best benefits. They'll never live the good life unless maybe they're lucky and they get themselves up out of their mess. They'll never, they'll never have access. They've completely lost access to the best things, the highest privileges. The ones that matter most, they're missing out. They're missing out on the good life. Oh, if they were strong in spirit. I mean, this is why I think we'd write the beatitude. Like the good life, that goes to the people that are strong in the, their spirit rich in their spirit. Those people that never need to ask for help, not even God for help. They actually do God a favor. They don't need any of his help, so he's got time to deal with the other people that need his help. Blessed are those who believe in themselves. Our world values like the successful person. God helps those who help themselves, so says much religion, just not in the Bible. Blessed are those who are strong. And this says, no, no, no. Blessed are the poor. I mean, even poems, I, I was thinking about this. There's a poem that I think I either had to recite or had to memorize. I can't remember which. Obviously, I don't remember it anymore. But it, it's the poem, If, by Rudyard Kipling that says, if you, if you, if you, if you. It goes, it goes if you, one line says this, if you can keep your head all about you when, when others are losing theirs. If you can trust yourself, like when everybody's doubting you, then, then it ends this way. If you can do all this, if you can be strong in spirit, I think is what the poet is saying, then yours is the earth and everything in it. That's the way the poem goes. I was thinking some occasionally I'll listen to a a Pandora station of Frank Sinatra and so he had a song made famous, I did it my way. And listen to the song, listen to the song. For what is a man, what has he got if not himself? Then he has not. To say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. Yes, it was my way. And we say, yeah, that's the strong in spirit. The captain of their own fate. This is, this, is, this is what strength is. And Jesus just flips it around. Blessed are the, are the spiritually inadequate. The Beatitude reminds me of the story. Of course, Jesus would say this because Jesus is the one who tells the story of the, remember the tax collector that, felt like he was nothing and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Of course, Jesus would say this because remember in Mark chapter 10, when there were kids that were wanting to come to Jesus and their parents were wanting them to come to him and the disciples were like pushing, pushing away those. And remember, Jesus stopped them and said, no, 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 wait, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Like heaven consists of this. The kingdom of heaven is possessed by people that are helpless. Truly, I say to you, whoever doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. This kingdom of God, well, definitely in the future, there's this kingdom of heaven. But even now, there's a taste of of a world in which faith in the all-powerful God wins. 
This is the realm where faith is king. The poor, the poor in spirit possess this. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're not outsiders. God's blessings are attached to this. God's favor is attached to this. So it's almost as if God is saying, I'm on your side, the poor in spirit. I'm with you. Blessings on you. We might say to someone, you know, God bless you. Or God bless so-and-so. They really, and by that we mean like, we don't have power to bless, but maybe God will. But notice how Jesus just says it straight up. Because he is God in the flesh, saying blessings on those who are poor in spirit. How do you evaluate your circumstances? I mean, what might have taken you to this place of spiritual poverty? Is it, is it inadequate finances? Is it personal failure? Is it family members that are struggling and you say, I can't do anything about this? And, and there in those moments, will you hear? Will you hear what Jesus says? And not just will you hear it, but will you believe it? Will you believe it when he says blessings on you? The poor in spirit. There's another blessing. He says, blessing are blessings on those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. Again, here we are in the crowd. We're hearing Jesus say this for the first time. And maybe there's a tear in the eye of the person next to us because it's a, a grieving widow. And she hears Jesus pronounce a blessing on those that mourn. Or maybe you're standing next to the person who is struggling with aging or some sort of debilitating illness or condition that is just stripping away what someone once had and making their life not what it once was. And maybe you live near them. Maybe, maybe we all do. Maybe we're, we're right next to them where we work and their lives, they would say, you know, my life has never been the same since. And you just fill in the blank, but something has just made them grieve and mourn and they're not the same. You see, those who mourn, it's describing people who are grieved, grieved by some element of this broken world, grieved by some element of living in this broken world, maybe even grieved by their own sin. They look at what they've done with their lives and they're horrified over the, the, the hurt they've caused, the pain they've caused, the regrets they have. Or maybe they look at this world that just seems so unjust and people are just trampling on other people and they grieve. Do we think this way? Would we hear the word of Jesus and go, Jesus, are you sure those people are having the good life? Not the people who like mourned 10 years ago, but the people that are mourning now, are you sure? Because I would say blessings are on those that actually don't have a care in this life. Yeah, they're the ones having the good life. Those who are mourning, they're actually missing out. It's a shame they'll probably never have the good life. We might even, in a moment of flipping counsel, tell them they need to just get happy. You know, they need something in their life to pick them up a little bit. Blessed are the ones who never have to worry about anything. Blessed are the ones who just find a way to be happy and look on the bright side. Blessed are those who can just go out and buy a new toy. It'll take away all their troubles, make them happy again. Blessed are those who just, maybe the old circumstances will flip for them. No, it's the happy we think. It's the happy who get to live the life of peace and flourishing. And Jesus just turns it upside down and says, no, no, no. I am awarding the comfort of the kingdom. King Jesus says, blessed are those who are mourning. Not moping, but mourning. Blessed are the brokenhearted, 
You see, no one, no one, no one asked for that. No one asked for the situations in life that will cause them to mourn. And you look at, look at what you've lost and you experience grief. It says those are the ones that will be comforted. Those are the ones that will receive comfort, and it's, it's passive, isn't it? That they will be comforted. Not they will generate their own comfort, but someone will comfort them. Who is that? Well, it's, it's God that will comfort them. God is the God who draws near to the brokenhearted, saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus is the one seen weeping at Lazarus' tomb. John announces in Revelation 21, this is where, again, it's just like we get a taste of it. And yet there's full dimensions of reality in the future. Because Revelation 21, John says, I saw this new heaven and this new earth where there was no more tears. There was no more pain. There was no more death. Yet all that had passed away. No reason to mourn. Because there's a new world. Blessed are those who mourn. Expand our horizon. I mean, there's peace right now, and then there's then an eternity. So we, we hear Jesus say, the good life is going to be for those that even now are mourning. I read that, and I can't help but think, just, I mean, I guess we all apply things personally. I, I don't know that there's been a day, I'm pretty positive there hasn't been a day in the last four and a half, nearly five years, that I haven't mourned the loss of my dad. And I've talked about that in here. Sometimes it's just silly stuff. So March Madness comes, and I remember since like the mid-80s, he and I were filling out brackets together. And it's, it's gone. And then you get into like serious stuff where I would love to just watch him, watch my kids grow up. That's what I'd love. And so you feel that loss. And I, and I have to tell you, I don't think there's been a day where I haven't felt that mourning. And at the same time, regularly, the Lord intervenes on that. And, and you feel the blessings of God and you, you receive comfort, a peace now that actually can't be shaken and a promise of eternity that, uh, of reunions and every joy restored into something that's even better than it was on earth. And I hear have to believe with the words of Jesus where he says, blessings. Blessings on those who are mourning now. You will be comforted. Blessings are on the meek, it says. Blessings on the meek. Another translation I read, or maybe even a paraphrase, said blessings on like the little ones, the little people. And I think that really is what this word is trying to convey. The people that actually get pushed down by the big people in the world. The big shots in the world that push down those And so we can think about it. Again, we're in the crowd. We think of Jesus speaking these words and maybe standing next to us is some some person that's in middle school or high school and they have been bullied and beat down regularly by people that seem to be the big shots. Or, Or maybe we watch the person that is carrying the wounds of a dad that always, always, always was disappointed. Or a mom that was verbally abusive and they carry that and they they just actually feel like they are nothing. They're not getting the honors. They're not getting the MVP of anything. They'll never be the most beautiful people. They'll never be the ones most likely to succeed. And even if they accumulate money, power, comforts, they're in this class of people that like, I just don't care for them that much. And society just moves along. Blessed are those that are meek. 
Blessed are those who are little on this earth, those who actually have no claim that they can make before God. See, God, I'm, I'm this. They have no claim or no claim before others. Again, I don't know that anybody aspires to be just run over by big shots. So Jesus is pronouncing this. And I, I hear like we, we should be meek and we should pursue that. I get that. I think Jesus is actually talking about something else. And that's when just it runs over and you have no choice. You have been humbled. And you're powerless. It's not so much you're working hard at avoiding pride. It's just that you're powerless. We say those people are missing out. The good life flows in the opposite direction, not that direction, surely. The interviews go to the MVP of the game. Not the people that are just kind of run over. I read this, it said, blessed are those, kind of just an inverse of this would say, blessed are those who have swagger, who make others stagger. Blessed are those who have an entourage, who can assert their own rights and fight for their own agenda. Blessed are those who can rise up and make something of themselves. Blessed are those who make people believe and make anybody who ever hated look bad. And Jesus says, God bless those who are little. So that lady that was dealing with the disease for years and years and years that just touched him, just in hopes of some miracle. Blessed. She's blessed. Blessed is the, the blind man who, as Jesus is walking through town, and everybody just says, shut up and quit talking. Nobody wants to hear from you. Blessed, he, he's blessed. Mary, Joseph, Ruth, Mary Magdalene, Andrew, Job, Joseph, we just go on and on and on. Someone said it this way. It's like the God bless yous come to the people in the most God-awful situations. the blessing of inheriting the land. I, I think an Israelite would have heard that. That would have been a deep promise because that's, like they were always wanting to, they were always wanting to get back to inherit the land and have shalom, have peace in the land. And Jesus says, there's, even now you're, you inherit the earth, but you didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it, but you inherit it. And there's new heavens and new earth. There's Another blessing that comes to those, it says, who, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So I'll, surely there were those in the crowd that were hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Someone that knew they didn't have it on their own. Someone that knew I lack this. I need righteousness. Something that I, I, I could never earn. Someone who like, I think part of this hungering and thirsting for righteousness is actually even looking at the world and going, isn't this world a messed up place where sometimes justice doesn't happen and injustice happens, where this world doesn't seem like God has just set it all right. And this, this blessing is pronounced on those people who are hungering and thirsting for the world to be set right, for their lives to be set right. We're tempted to believe like, no, nah, the good life comes to people that just don't even have to worry about righteousness. They just decided like they're good enough on their own. They don't need to worry about righteousness. Or, or they can generate their own righteousness. Blessed are the ones that are like so good that God's so impressed he has to say, oh, that's a righteous person there. But did you notice the beatitude did not say, blessed are the righteous. 
says, blessed are those who are just hungry and thirsty, who realize they come to that whole conversation in a deficit. Then and only then, when we're granted the righteousness from God, are we, can we ever be satisfied that our soul is okay? Jesus just flips it upside down. You, you, you lack righteousness. He's the only one who can and will give you righteousness. What a promise. Like those that hunger for that, they won't starve. They'll be granted righteousness. We'll look at more of the blessings as we go deeper into this, but let me just take inventory of what these blessings meant. So actually, every, every one of these blessings are talking to people who are in a deficit, in a need. There are people that need something. They lack spirit. There's those that lack joy. There are those that lack power. And then there are those that lack righteousness. And Jesus says, blessings to you. Blessings are, are on you. And I thought about that this week. I thought about how deeply is this blessings of Jesus? How deeply are those tied to the big storyline of the Bible? This, is, this shouldn't surprise us when Jesus comes announcing these blessings, because at the heart of this, this is what Jesus always says. This is what the storyline of the Bible is always about. See, the Bible is about God, who is love, initiating love, a relationship, a blessing with people that are undeserving. So maybe in that crowd, there are lots of, lots of people that were poor in spirit and, and meek. The little people in this world, those who lacked righteousness, and Jesus comes on a mission. God targets the people the undeserving, not for his wrath or his anger, but actually for his love. And God promises that love and he promises it. It's just interesting the way the Bible speaks of it. And I think that's important for us to even process what's going on in the Beatitudes. It speaks of it in terms of a covenant. So when God initiates love, it's not just the feeling inside, it's initiated in a covenant. God works with people, solemn promises of a covenant. And in the ancient world, there were really two sides to a covenant. There were sides of, of blessing, if everybody kept the covenant. And then there were curses if you didn't keep the covenant. So it's interesting when Jesus is speaking his first sermon, he pronounces blessings on those. He knew who they were. He knew what they would be. And in the covenant that Jesus has made with his people, the new covenant, we're not standing there as covenant keepers. We're standing there as covenant breakers. So I thought about that. I thought, well, actually, what, what I should hear, what just by all rights, I should hear Jesus saying, curses are on you and everyone like you. He should begin to be able to unpack, like you will, you will taste death because you are experiencing the, the covenant curses that come with breaking the covenant God's made. You should experience, you should inherit, you know what your inheritance should be? You will inherit hell. You should taste death with no comfort and no peace. You should be the one that's not comforted and never relieved. If I hear it that way, the words of Jesus are just staggering because what happens is Jesus endures all those covenant curses on the cross for us. He's not comforted. He's hung as a common criminal. 
They look up at the cross and they go, that is not a blessed man by God. That's a man that's cursed. And actually should be me there. But instead, there's this great exchange where I receive covenant blessings. And I hear Jesus pronounce those blessings on my life and on your life. He endured the curses of the cross for us. And now, I'm telling you, regardless of the circumstances of your life, you, in Christ, enjoy the blessings of God. And listen, because they're so wrapped up in Jesus, they will never be taken away. You've entered into eternal blessings in a world that is actually ruled by God. What do you say to all that? What do you do? Well, we actually know what the first hearers of this sermon, what, what happened to them? It says, when they heard the words of Jesus, it says they were blown away. They were astonished because of the authority he claimed. So this morning, if you're poor in spirit, if you're meek, if you're mourning, if you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, I want you also to be blown away because Jesus has said there's blessings on you. I want you to hear and seek to understand. I want this to be good news of Jesus announcing blessings to you. And if this is anything, so what I've just talked about for the last several minutes, if this is anything other than good news, I would love for you to talk about that with someone more. Like, how can I know the blessings? Because they didn't sound like good news to me. I, I feel like I'm distant from Jesus. There'll be people afterwards up front, ready to pray with you, ready to talk with you about that. You might even have a friend that brought you. But today, church, let's soak in this that we have been blessed by God because Jesus has endured all the curses of hell and death for us. Can I ask you to bow your head? This morning, I hope we collectively are astonished. I hope we have faith enough to believe that Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about, that he didn't get even half a percent of this wrong. And whatever the circumstances that we face, we will know we have one who's pronounced blessings on our lives because we're in Christ. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. I pray for that person that is uh, maybe far from you and the blessings sound appealing, but very distant. In your sovereign grace, I pray that you bring that to them close. They'd be able to trust you. I pray for the person that is mourning, that is hurt, that is going through all sorts of things that maybe even are hard to mention. I pray that you would use the words of your son spoken here today to give us a sense and a peace that you have blessed us. We ask all this in his name. Amen.